Welcome to the Hockey News Action Show, presented by BetMGM and McKenny Hockey. I'm Mike Stevens, and joining me is someone who, you know, I'm, I'm very well acquainted with, and I'm sure you are as well, Rachel Dory. Rachel, how are you doing? I'm doing well. We've got a, an, another new show. It's, I'm pretty excited about it. How are you doing? I'm good. You know, we got caught in the rain a little bit, if you can't tell. It's a bit of a rainy day in Toronto where we're, uh, we're filming this in the studio. But, no, it's great. Look, what we're doing here is we did this a little bit last year where, you know, it, it was myself and, and Jason Chen. Uh, and we would tee up essentially the day's games uh, from a betting perspective, from, from an action perspective, as you want to call it. And, and we get into all that. Now we have Rachel here, someone who is far superior and smarter to me uh, in, in this category. So what I'll be doing is teeing her up uh, to, get, to, to go over the, the day's games uh, that are coming forward. We're doing this on, we're recording this on, on Tuesday, and we're also recording this on Friday. Tuesday to get ready for the Tuesday and Wednesday slate of games, and then Friday to get ready for the uh, Saturday games. It's going to be a lot of fun. Why don't we get started? Yeah, so- I think it's going to be... Uh, super fun. I'm looking forward to it. And yeah, I think Saturday, mm-hmm. Saturday, right? Because it's like the biggest kind of mm-hmm. game night of the week. And and then I don't know if we're going to stick to Tuesday, Wednesdays. It'll basically be kind of a night that has a, a lot of games. games. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, we're going to be teeing up the, the nights where there are the most plentiful amount of games for you to wager on. It's going to be a lot of fun. So that we had Pittsburgh taking on Ottawa. Uh, it's the first meeting of the season. And these are two teams that are really kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to regular uh, or, I guess, recent success. Uh, Rachel, why don't, you, why don't you get into some of the nitty-gritty here? Yeah, so obviously uh, Pittsburgh's had a ton of success. They've made the playoffs since you and I were pretty much Children. 10-year-olds, I want to say. Yeah, like we were in elementary school. Um, Ottawa has not had that same success. They are on the come-up, though. Um, they had a recent hot streak. Um, but just like kind of a couple things I'm looking at here. Uh, Sidney Crosby's got four straight games against Ottawa and in his career, he's got 1.16 points per game against the Sens. That's about his career average. Um, he does enjoy playing the Sens. And then more recently speaking, um, he's got five or more shots in his last four games. Um, so he shoot the puck a ton. Ottawa gives up, uh, some shots to centers. So I would look for that, especially because of where Crosby plays on the power play. Um, I think his shots are probably something that I would seriously look at here. All right, now we have Jake Gensel also on the heater. He's got points in five straight versus Ottawa. He seems to be someone who likes to take care of the Senators here. Uh, maybe he would be someone to possibly get in on? Yeah, so what was interesting is when I was going through the data, um, the Sens give up a ton of shots and scoring chances to left-wingers. And right now, uh, Jake Gensel and Ricard Raquel are their top two uh, left-wingers. And so... You've got Jake Gensel, who's got five points. You've got Jake Gensel, who has points in five straight games versus Ottawa. And then you've got Ricard Raquel, who's got uh, three or more shots in four of his last five games. And so you're kind of looking at maybe Pittsburgh targets uh, using their left wingers and and getting shots from from that area. I would expect um, Jake Gensel to probably continue uh, his point streak. He does play a lot on the power play. Him and Ricard Raquel. Um, have really been kind of looking good on their respective lines. It seems like they've got some chemistry there with uh, Crosby and then Raquel with Malkin. Uh, so that's a spot that I think that they'll look to capitalize on. And speaking of Malkin, Malkin has taken care of, uh, uh, has really taken it to the Ottawa Senators in recency. Uh, 10 points in the last five games, and he happens to be shooting the puck a lot lately. Potentially one of the key players in tonight's game, someone you might want to maybe slap a couple of dollars and cents on. 
Yeah, I don't know what it is, but Evgeny Malkin recently has just decided he's doing the Russian machine thing, and he's just on a complete heater. He looked so good um, in Anaheim. Um, he's Like you said, he's got 10 points in his last five games versus Ottawa. It seems like he really likes playing the Sens. Um, and if there is kind of one of the weak points is that uh, the Sens don't have a ton of the defensemen that can really shut down um, Malkin's style of play. So I would not be surprised to see um, Malkin put up a couple of points here. If the line's one and a half, you should be getting plus money on it. Uh, that's something I would look for. I don't know that I would take uh, negative odds on him to put up multi points, though. Um, that just seems like something that could be a little bit inconsistent. There's not a lot of value there. Absolutely. And then on the other side with Ottawa, because it's not going to be out Pittsburgh. You know, maybe maybe Ottawa wins. Who knows? That's the that's the crazy thing about betting. Uh, but uh, Brady Tuchuk, I was about to say Matthew. No, it's Brady. Brady Tuchuk, he's been averaging a ton of shots lately, 4.25 uh, per game. Someone who, you know, he's a, you're a volume shooter. One of them's got to go in. Maybe he's a key player tonight. Yeah, so Brady Kachuk, for whatever reason, um, he he's a volume shooter, and he's not necessarily shooting from the most dangerous areas of the ice. I want to say he, he, he gets his scoring chances when he's at the side of the net on the power play. That's usually where... Um, he likes to make his living on the power play. Um, but it seems that against Pittsburgh, he kind of seems to turn it up a little bit. And uh, with the way that Pittsburgh's playing, uh, they do have some injuries on defense. Um, with Kachuk, like you said, averaging over four shots uh, per game this year. That's somebody I would look at. He's been pretty good of late. He's on a new line that's that's kind of, um, even though Ottawa's been cold, they're still generating scoring chances. So that's somebody that could potentially break out and and put up a point in this game. Absolutely. And finally, we got Thomas Shabbat, another key player for Ottawa. Uh, Pittsburgh tends to give up a lot of shots from defensemen, a lot of shots from the point. And considering that uh, Shabbat's a big power play guy, potentially could be a very good play tonight. Yes. So uh, Pittsburgh, like you said, they give up a ton of shots to defensemen. It's really um, one of the areas where they're vulnerable. And on the power play, Thomas Shabbat plays the majority of the Sens power play, a minute, minute and a half. Uh, most nights and he actually shoots the puck more than the average defenseman on the power play so when you combine those two things Pittsburgh giving up a ton of shots to defensemen Thomas Shabbat being the primary power play shooter and their primary shooter on defense um, I would look for a line at two and a half and and that's something that uh, I would seriously consider taking very cool all right well that's Pittsburgh and Ottawa let's go over to Boston and the New York Islanders starting with arguably Boston's best player David Pasternak yeah, so David Pasternak is David Pasternak. Um, it should be noted that the Islanders don't give up a ton of shots to um, right wingers, except David Pasternak is not your regular right winger. And in the last game that they played, he had seven shots on goal. That is, that's a lot. A lot of shots. Um, yeah, he's he is also a volume shooter, but he scores a lot. Um, and he's on Boston's power play. He's their number one trigger man. Um, that's somebody I would look to. Um, you can usually get five plus shots um, at positive odds. Uh, that's something I would seriously consider taking. And then you talk about players who you know seem to to go off against certain teams. Brad Marchand has multi point games to the last three against New York Islanders. Could he make it three of four? That's definitely uh, something I'm looking at because not only, like you said, is he have two two uh, multi point games in two of his last three against the Islanders. He also has points in six straight games coming into tonight's game. So not only does he like playing the Islanders, he's also on a heater. 
Um, that's something where, like you said, he's he's back. He's playing on the top power play unit. Um, he looks really, really good. I think that this is a great spot for him to put up at least one point, if not two. Very cool. All right. Now, Taylor, what about Taylor Hall? My guy. So obviously going back to his time in New Jersey, um, played the Islanders a lot. Uh, ever since he's been with Boston, for whatever reason, too, he's really liked playing the Islanders. He's got seven points in his last five games against the Islanders, but he's not shooting the puck a ton of late in his recent kind of games. And so he's become more of a puck distributor. He is um, playing on that line with David Pasternak. And so obviously he's become more of a facilitator. I would maybe look at him to pick up an assist in this game. Very cool. All right. And then we look at the two teams in general. Let's say we're trying to go over under. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So looking at uh, the most recent games, Boston's trending over. Um, they're scoring a ton of goals. They're also giving up a little bit more than they're used to. And the New York Islanders, I mean, they've been pretty good defensively ever since Barry Trotz was there. Now Lane Lambert, uh, they're trending under. So this is actually a game where I would stay away from the over-under because you don't know which trend is going to continue. And there's not really any um, math in their meetings that shows that it would go one way or the other. It's been relatively even. Very cool. All right, now let's shift over to the West Coast. We got Colorado and Calgary, two teams who, you know, for different reasons are somewhat underperforming this year, scrapping it out, trying to get back into the playoff hunt. Um, as you said, both teams are, are struggling more than we expect. Obviously, no conversation about the Avs can start anywhere other than Kale McCarr. Yeah, I mean, like you pointed out, both teams, they're they're a little worse than we expected. I know personally, I picked Calgary to definitely be in the top three spots in the Pacific this year. I think we all thought Colorado was probably going to repeat um, in their division. And so a little bit of, uh, of struggles this year, ton of injuries in Colorado. But the one thing that hasn't changed for Calgary is they are very stingy defensively. They do not give up shots. And I looked at Kale McCarr's career against Calgary. He's played six games. And in all of those games, he has two or less shots. And usually his sh shot line is two and a half. So that's something I would take a look at. He also only has four assists in six career games played. So not only is he not a point per game, which is rare for him, he also doesn't have a goal scored. So this is maybe a spot where Calgary's stingy defensive defensive prowess um, maybe makes it a little bit more difficult for McCarr to put up the shot volume and the points that you're usually used to. Absolutely, right? Then we got, obviously, Nathan McKinnon, the other superstar, or one of the many superstars, I guess, on uh, Colorado. Goals and four straight versus Calgary. He really likes to take it to the Flames. Potentially a good play tonight. Yeah, I mean, like you said, right? He When you're scoring in four straight games versus a team, you really like playing that team. Put it this way, he likes that as much as he likes cauliflower pasta or whatever he eats during his pregame. But not only that, um, he's got five or more shots in six of his last seven games versus Calgary. And coming into tonight, he's got five plus shots in four of his last five games and 11 points in his last five games. So he's over two points per game in his last five games. He's putting up a ton of points. He's kind of the trigger man now. They still don't have Landeskog in the lineup there. They've separated Ranton and McKinnon. Their power play is still, they're still together. But at the end of the day, uh, Nathan McKinnon is driving his own line and Miko Ranton's not there to take shots from him. And so I would look for these trends to continue. Um, there's something called a ladder play where you can take a player 
uh, to have four, five, six, seven shots. Uh, this is potentially a play here as obviously McKinnon seems to love playing against Calgary. I also would not bet against him scoring a goal. Absolutely. All right. And then, you know, you, you go over to Calgary and you think they have so many, they have so many big names, you know, the Nazem Kadri's of the world, the, the, the Jonathan Huberdos, the Elias Lindholms, all that. But you, you want to take a look at the third line. Yeah. So one of the reasons I want to take a look at the third line here is Colorado's bottom six right now is rough. Like they, when I went and I looked at uh, their line combinations, they had a guy who didn't even have stats. Like that's how rough it is right now. The best player in their bottom six is Alex Newhook. And he's a very young player. And against a team like Calgary, who's super disciplined, that could be a problem. And if you look at Calgary's third line, Andrew Mangiapane, Michael Backlund, Blake Coleman, it's got to be one of the best third lines in the league. And if you look at their stats, Michael Backlund's averaging four shots in his last five games. He's got three points in his last five games, and he plays on the second power play unit. That's an opportunity for him to not only put up shots, but also points. And you look at Andrew Mangiapane, he's got four points in his last five games. He's also on the second power play unit, and he is one of the primary shooters on that unit. So you're going to have opportunities, not only at even strength in this game against Colorado to put up shots and points, but you're also going to have that on the power play. Absolutely. All right. Let's move on to Tampa Bay versus Vancouver. Now, you know, obviously two teams that are, I would say, trending in diff- in opposite directions. You know, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're, they're the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Vancouver Canucks, they're the Vancouver Canucks. Although there could be something interesting here in Vancouver in the sense that, you know, the, uh, the intangibles, they're rallying from something. They're trying to rally together. Why don't we take a look at that? Yeah, so uh, very unfortunate. Gino Ojic uh, passed away. Um, he probably should be in the Canucks ring of honor. Um, there is a rumor floating around that they're going to bring back the flying skate jerseys, uh, for tonight's game. I don't know why. And I, I worked for the organization. We we couldn't figure it out, but for whatever reason, there is a mental bump that comes with playing with the skate jerseys. The Canucks always seem to somehow play better and more entertaining hockey, like just goals galore in those games. Um, they're also coming off of a rather tough road trip where, I mean, you got the Pittsburgh game, then they played the two teams in Florida and Carolina where they did get that shootout win. Overall, though, it was a pretty rough trip. And when you're flying cross-country, keep in mind Tampa's also flying cross-country, these these games tend to go over. Mm-hmm. And so I just mentioned the the flying skate bump. The, they're going to be motivated to play for Geno Ojic. Um, there was that press conference on Monday where I don't think the players kind of liked what they heard. I wouldn't be surprised if they're motivated here. And because they're poor defensively, we probably are going to see a lot of goals tonight. And hey, they could be rallying for a coach who might not be their coach in, in, in a couple days. There's a lot of things to play here. Speaking of things to play, though, the Lightning are one of the hottest teams in the league. They've won five straight, um, including last week. Just, just a team that just completely wires shots on, on their opponent. They're, they're red hot. They're playing a team that is, uh, you know, reeling from a lot of things, some self-inflicted. What's going on here? Yeah, so last week the Lightning and the Canucks played. There were 75 shots mm-hmm. in that game. A lot of shots. There were only 60 minutes in a hockey game. So you're talking about over a shot a minute. That is a lot, a lot. And Lightning had 40 shots. So Vancouver gives up a ton of shots, specifically uh, to right wingers. And, I mean, they're less than... 68% on the penalty kill. That's not great. Um, and if you look at it, 
the game last week, Kucherov point Stamkos all had two points. And that is, that's a spot where I would look. Tampa's got a good power play. They've got a ton of weapons. Uh, obviously, Vancouver's penalty kill. It's not great. So there's going to be a lot of juice on those three players to get points in general. Maybe looking at their power play point lines uh, is something I would look at to potentially get um, some better odds. But don't be surprised in a game that I'm expecting to go over if these three players have multi-point games again. Well, if you're talking about games that are going to go over, you might think that Vancouver superstars are going to perform. What about Elias Pettersson, for example? Yeah, Elias Pettersson has been a really big bright spot for the Canucks this year. Um, he's performed really well. And, and just kind of looking at his most recent games, even on what was a tough road trip for the Canucks, he has six shots in four of his last six games, and he has eight points in his last six games. So regardless of whether the Canucks are producing or not, he is contributing and he is producing and he's getting his cookies. I believe against the Lightning last week, he had eight shots on goal. I don't expect him to repeat that, but I would expect that he probably gets in the neighborhood of four or five shots, especially like you said, if there's a ton of scoring, if there's power play opportunities, uh, whatever the case may be, I would expect Elias Pettersson to be a prominent figure in tonight's game. And then obviously Bo Horvat, someone who is having a career year, someone who, I mean, in terms of fancy hockey, I picked him up off waivers as being the best move I've ever made. Um, you know, so it, fantastic. He's someone who seems to score every night these days. Could be a good play there. Why was Bo Horvat on waivers? We need to talk about this. This is the start of the year. Start of the year. Oh, okay. He hadn't exploded for what he was doing. So it was not like, like, for example, at the start of the year, Tage Thompson was on waivers. Okay. Like. Like, I have uh, Tage Thompson in my hockey pool. <laughs> as, you should, as everyone should, if you can. But yeah, Bo Horvat, incredibly hot lately, incredibly hot this season in general. May want to, uh, you know, if, if the train is rolling, you might want to hop onto it. I am firmly on the Bo Horvat train. Uh, he's got points in 10 of his last 11 games. That's pretty consistent. That's a big enough sample size. And not only that, in those 11 games, he has 17 points. So we're talking about a guy who's putting up two points more than he's putting up one point more often of late. Um, he, I believe, had two points against the Lightning last week, if I remember correctly. And so you look at that. He is a volume shooter. Um, he plays in the middle on the power play. Uh, the problem you have is you've got Elias Pettersson. You've got Brock Besser. You've got JT Miller. You, like, There's a lot happening there. And so I don't know that I'd necessarily look at his shots. I would, however, look at his points. Um, there are some lines that have him at just a half a, like half point. So is he going to get one point or not? That's a line I'd be taking all day, every day. I mean, until he shows me that he's not going to score, I have to go on the knowledge that he is going to score. And so that's something that, that I would look at. Uh, he also just scored his 30th goal of the season. Uh, that's a good confidence boost. I would, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if he scored in this game. Absolutely. All right. And then finally, you know, we don't know who is going to be starting tonight for Vancouver, but both their goalies, they look, they have to deal with Colin Delia and Spencer Martin. Not exactly who they were hoping for, but potentially for a one game play. Who knows? Yeah. So the Canucks, uh, it's not a secret. They, they give up a ton of shots. And so whether you're Thatcher Demko or Colin Delia or Spencer Martin, you are still facing the same amount of shots regardless, because you still have the same team in front of you. Colin Delia has been the better of the two goalies that are healthy right now. He's got 29 or more saves in his last four starts. 
And Spencer Martin has 31 saves in his last two starts. He was obviously pulled um, in his in the third start. But I would say that the fact that Vancouver gives up a ton of shots, Tampa takes a ton of shots, the goalie saves line might be a good one here because you're going to have a ton of shots, which means unless a goalie is giving up 10 goals, they're making a lot of saves. Absolutely. All right, and then finally, our, our final game on the slate here, it's the Dallas Stars versus the San Jose Sharks. Um, two teams could potentially go over. They have in the past. What do you think, Rachel? Yeah, so uh, they've played two games this season. They went over in both of those games, scoring seven and nine goals. Um, the last game was close. It was a 5-4 uh, victory. And and so I look at that and I say, okay, you've got two teams. Um, Eric Carlson's obviously a key for San Jose. That You've got Timo Meyer, Thomas Hurdle, Logan Couture. You've got guys that can score on that team, even though on the whole they're they're not a great team. Then you look at Dallas, Jason Robertson, Rupa Hintz, Jamie Benn scored two goals in the last game that they played. You got Tyler Sagan. They do have offensive weapons. Um, and so for me, this is a game where you kind of just have to look at the trend and say, till they don't go over, that might be an over that I take. So long as it's not outrageous, if it's six, six, six and a half, that's something that I would look at to have some value. But keep in mind, though, is that only two San Jose Sharks players had three shots in their last meeting. Yeah, so I went through these stats from the last game. Here's something crazy for you. Let me know what you think of this. Mm -hmm. The last game they played, the Sharks had less than 22 shots on goal. And yet they went over. Yeah, so the goalies just, like, weren't, I don't know, participating in the game. But there were not a lot of shots in that game it was one of actually one of the lowest shot totals in the entire league this season and so I don't expect that to be repeated um both of these teams they do get their shots um but it is worth pointing out that yeah only two Sharks players had three shots in their last meeting Timo Meyer only had two shots um and and he's usually a four or five shot guy mm-hmm. um so given that knowledge I may stay away from Timo Meyer in this game for his shot totals he hasn't been shooting the puck a ton of late. And so that's a trend where if I'm taking anything, I'm actually probably going to take the under four and a half. Wow. Very interesting. Well, you look at the individual players here. Obviously, you got to start with Jason Robertson, just having a tremendous season. He's got five points in his last five, although two of those games, he did go pointless. Um, what do you think about him? Yeah, so he's been, I mean, you just said, right? He's, he's had a ridiculous season. But he's, by his standards for this year, he's been kind of cold of late, right? You only have points in three of your last five. Yeah, you're a point a game, but that's kind of cold for him. Mm -hmm. Um, But he had two points in his last meeting against San Jose. He's got three plus, like three or more shots in in four of his last five games. So he's starting to show signs of kind of getting those shots and getting those scoring chances. Um, He's somebody I would look to target. He seems to like playing San Jose. that may be somebody that I target. If you can get his point line um, just to, to kind of score a point, uh, that's something I would look at. I'd also look at him to score a goal this, in this game. And then you talk about, I mean, you talk about volume shooters. We've got Miro Heiskanen out here who's just wiring him from the point. Yeah, I don't know who is, what got into Miro Heiskanen or who's telling him to shoot the puck the way he has. So he's got three or more shots in nine straight games. And not only that, in four of those nine games, he has four or five shots. So it's not that he's just hitting that number. He's blowing right past it. And for a defenseman to be having three, four, five shots in a game, 
that doesn't usually happen. And the fact he's doing it so consistently and the San Jose Sharks do give up shots from the point. Um, he's the top guy on the power play. He's clearly identified that he needs to shoot more and he's doing that. And so for me, he's hitting the net. He's getting his chances. Um, this is an opportunity where I think maybe the markets haven't adjusted yet. Um, this might be somewhere where I have I have been uh, taking his over and I will continue to do so. All right. And then finally, we got, you know, you want to talk about a defenseman who takes a lot of shots and scores a lot of points from from uh, the blue line. We got Eric Carlson, who is having, like we said, an incredible year. But like Jason Roberts, in a sense, has been kind of cold as of late by his standards. Yeah, he has been. I mean, if you look at it, he had two down seasons and then this season, uh, he's probably somebody you could pick up off waivers too. Um, he's been their best defenseman by a very large margin. He's leading the team in scoring by, I believe, 10 points as of the recording of this show. So that is um, a legitimate lead, but he only has one multi-point game in his last five games. Um, that's a little bit concerning. He's not scoring as much um, of late. And I think Dallas is better defensively than they're potentially given credit for. And so for me, yes, while I see this game going over, I do think that with Carlson's line usually set at one and a half points, that's not something that I would necessarily be interested in taking. Um, I would, however, look for him to get over one assist because I do think that there is going to be scoring and he's the facilitator of that offense. Very cool. All right. Well, that is the slate that we have coming up for you. Um, we will be back, obviously, before uh, Saturday's games to tee, to tee those up. But, Rachel, it's fantastic. Can't wait to be doing with you this with you, you know, twice a week. It's going to be great. Um, and then, obviously, go to BetMGM for all your betting needs. Uh, and also, if you'd like to find, uh, you know, past episodes of this podcast um, or this podcast, any of the other THM podcasts, go to thehockeynews.com slash podcast. That's where all our archives are. It's fantastic. Rachel, thank you so much for doing this. Can't wait to do it next week.